Welcome to the Marketing for Startups podcast. If you're trying to figure out marketing for your startup, then you're in the right place. In this podcast, we go high level, looking at the intersection of branding, data, and leadership to offer you a marketing playbook to grow and scale. Join me each week for in-depth interviews, tactical advice, and practical trainings. Hi, I'm your host, Victoria Hajar, veteran marketer and startup enthusiast. I promise to bring my experience and curiosity to each episode Then together, we'll peel back the onion on this ever-changing discipline that is marketing. I'm so happy you're here. Let's dive in. Have you ever thought about starting a marketing agency? So today's episode is a little bit different, but I think you're going to be in for a treat. I'm talking to Solomon Timothy, founder at Clicks, which is a company that helps individuals start and scale marketing agencies. This conversation has a lot of juicy information about marketing on a whole and scaling your business, but it's also super interesting if you're a marketing manager, a consultant, or a freelancer who has thought about scaling your operation a bit. It's just an episode that's going to help you think a little differently about how to grow and scale your business, regardless if you're starting an agency or not. I'm so excited for you to listen in. I'm so excited to chat with you. And I'm Super really, fun. I think it's a really fun to share a little bit about how we connected. Because I yeah. think that that is quite symbolic of sort of where we are right now as a society. <laughs> Absolutely. So the way that I found you is I opened up my TikTok one day and there you were. You were actually- Again and again and again. <laughs> Strolling in a park of some sort and you're just recording as you're having a workout, I think. And I was like, whatever she's saying is really good. Like she's like the smartest girl I've ever seen on TikTok. First, I'm like following That's not very you. hard, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm following you. And then I'm like trying to message you, but you can't because you don't follow me. It's like, like this is a terrible platform. And then um, I'm like literally like, hey. Like, like you need to make more content. That was my first thing. And so like, you, you got like, we got to do something together because the stuff you were talking about, why isn't your marketing working? And hey, yeah. founders, here's what you need to do. And, and it was just like back to back. I'm a founder. So I guess it hit me hard. So like, yeah. it was really directed at me. Yeah. And one of the other things that I would probably say to anybody that's watching or listening is that it was not highly produced, which yeah. is so cool because yeah. we all get trapped in the highly produced perfect you know over just progress so like and i was just like dude she didn't give a crap she's walking or dog walking her dog maybe i don't know what's going on (laughs) i think that accurately describes me yes and it's so funny because a lot of times even for podcasts it's so funny because i love your attitude when we when we got on because i was explaining to solomon all the glitches of our meeting right now and he's like no we're just making content and and honestly i think that what and i think would love to just talk about this today on the podcast i think it's so interesting of just like the quantity, yeah, the quantity of content that needs to be turned out as a business nowadays, yeah. it is enormous. And I think it is a place where a lot of founders and a lot of marketing teams get totally stuck. And I think it's a really interesting um, thing for us to, to shed some light on and sort of chat about is sort of developing your marketing team but really like what solutions there needs to be to get at that pace, right? Because I think there's a big question of in-house versus agency and all of that stuff. So 
let's get there. But let's first talk a little bit about, about you. I mean, so yes, our, our friendship started on TikTok, which is gorgeous. Um, and, and so how did you start ClickX and sort of what's your, what, what's your yeah. origin story? Absolutely. So, um, day after, you know, I graduated college, my parents said, you can't really do anything. Can't, you know, cancel your college. You've got to go to school, man. Either. So I graduated, pleased my parents. The very next day I became an entrepreneur because I knew that that was the route for me that I just wanted to do more. Yeah. Um, and so I got the company and all of that. And then literally everything that I've learned is, is from that day on what is customer acquisition? What's customer retention? What's, you know, upselling, downselling, what's a funnel? Like nobody ever taught me any of that. Obviously I went to school for business. They didn't teach me that either. So on, I was on my way to, to figure this out. And then 2008 was the biggest downturn. So I started in 2006 and I was oh, building yeah. a business in the middle of a recession, not knowing I'd never even had a recession in my life before. So I don't know what a recession is. So needless to say that I didn't have to have good mindset. I only had one kind of mindset. It's grow, right? Yeah. So now we have a recession. I'm like, yeah, recession. Been there, done that. That's yeah, not right, gonna... exactly. Yeah, so did, you start, did you start as an agency? Yeah, I started as a creative boutique agency because that was all I was good at. I was yeah. good at making uh, websites. It wasn't even WordPress websites. I don't even think, like maybe it was in the infancy of like WordPress. A couple of years later, it was all WordPress and things like that but I was just building static HTML website that led to people saying, Hey, I need more. Like I like it. And then eventually they said, you need to get me some leads because we were just building websites. There were no concept of leads and, you know, consistency and analytics and all of that. So we then were forced to get into digital marketing by our customers who said a creative website doesn't really do anything for me. I'm still the same size. You know, I'm still kind of, look, I didn't really make a million dollars. They thought they would because early on, 2006, yeah. not a lot Build of people. It and they will come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't have any websites. So it was the biggest money making business world was like build websites. So, so we did that. We got into the digital marketing side. Obviously, friends and family, like anybody that I knew was working for Yellow Pages, I'd be like, hey, come on, work for us. You know, let's run some Google ads. Yeah. It was like the, the Facebook renaissance that was happening, but it was in Google. Yeah. It was all Google. There was no nothing else. And then I went through that. I saw what it was like. Literally, people would call you all hours of the day, tell you, I need to be on the top of Google. Yeah. So we lived through that. And then like when Facebook ads was the hottest thing, I felt like that was the exact same thing again. Yeah. And we're talking TikTok because both of which, right? Like Facebook isn't as efficient as it used to be. Google's too expensive. Uh, you know, uh, Gary, we would tell you like the lowest cost, lowest price attention now is TikTok. So like, that's where you and I are right now. You end up. Well, you know what? It's so funny because I've only been thinking about this recently, and this may be that we're aging ourselves, but I think that there's such an interesting hindsight that we have now from starting our careers because yes, I, I also, I graduated university in 06 wow. and got into marketing right then. And really we were at the beginning of the inception of digital marketing. And I think the amount of learning on the fly and learning by doing that our sort of generation had to do it's it's incredible and i think that in in sort of the 2009 10 is like yes seo started getting really hot and then facebook and all these things and i remember even some point where like everyone needed an app and then apps died and then apps came back and so you're starting to see these patterns that are that arise 
right? And even though maybe the digital marketing world is not much more than 15 years, right? Old, mm-hmm. that you already see that there's very predictable cycles that each of these kind of marketing elements go into. So, okay, so then you're building out an agency because that's not exactly what ClickX is. Correct. So I would love, because we love talking here also about scale. And so I would love to get into your mind a little bit about you're building your agency, you're plugging along, obviously you're learning, you're growing, you're growing a team. When did you sort of start to think like, oh, maybe just growing the agency is not is not my true passion. Maybe there's more there. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I started the company with my brother because my brother was the only person I had proximity. <laughs> okay. He's, you uh, you work for me. Yeah. yeah corporate job. He yeah. quits, he, he joins the company. And then, and, and so we had, I had like a the perfect founder. So I could always be doing experimental things yeah. while he's dealing with sending invoices yeah, and you know, yeah, yeah. administrative stuff. And mind you, he was free. So it wasn't really expensive. So it worked out. Right. So, yeah. so, so fast forward, I was started off in my, my dad's house in a, in a spare bedroom and yeah. I was making too much noise, as you would say, like elderly were like, yeah, you got to go and go get yeah. your space. Yeah. So my dad actually finds me a, a a rental, like office rental. He pays yeah. for it. He's like, whatever He's like, to get you. Get out out. <laughs> yeah. Was that here in South Florida? No, that was actually in Chicago. So oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so my whole life is in Chicago. So <laughs> okay. so so I'm like crap. Next month, this time I have to pay rent. Yeah. This is this is like I didn't have to pay anything nope. working for basement. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. This sort of became like crap and then obviously there was a lot of space very nice landlord so we have all these desks that we bought from like office depot or whatever so started putting like kids from graphic design school yeah. to do design and it's like we were building like a, this business right so yeah. um we realized like i so i have always had this techie sort of like i'm always you know playing around with computers and just figure stuff out i knew that whatever we were doing with me being the head honcho it wasn't going to scale I knew that everything is so manual, client onboarding is manual, client offboarding is manual, client whatever that life cycle, like all that stuff was manual. There was no efficiency whatsoever. And if you're watching this, listen to this, you're a consultant and you're figuring out like the only way to get this done is because you have, you're the cog, right? You're the thing that has to make it work. You have zero leverage. I'm like, this isn't going to work. Now I'm not a you know, tech founder, I wasn't building a tech company, I was building like a service business, which is you, you charge them a $1,000. And you do $1,000 worth of work. And you know, there's like $200 somewhere for you to eat, right? Like it was not or anything. So, so long story short, I began converting ourselves to a technology based service based business. And so I said, look, every single client needs these reports, we're now doing Google Ads and stuff. So Google Ads reports like hell, so yeah. like, I need a report that's going to like pull in the data yeah. and like they have a login and password. So they don't have to call you all hours of the day. And then we were tracking phone calls. Like they need to be able to log in and listen to their calls. Mm-hmm. Everything that I envisioned, there were tools out there, but I need Google analytics integration. Yeah. I need Google ads integration. I need phone call integration. Oh, and when they generated a lead from their website, yeah. I needed to go to this thing so I can show at the end of the month, how much money or leads I've generated for them. This stuff didn't exist. Yeah. And so we pivoted in a sense to scale to being that company. And let me tell you, we dumped all the money that we made. We didn't like borrow any money or anything like that. 
Yeah. We built it so that we can take on 10 or 20 and 30 clients in a month and we wouldn't break, which is what would happen otherwise in a small agency. They just, they just can't manage it. Yeah. So everything that you can envision that is available today, like an onboarding form and it automates this stuff, we did all of that. And that technology was called ClickX. We didn't just call it our, our name of our agency. We just felt like we're just going to call this technology ClickX. And that's what morphed into today what other agencies are using to get customers, retain clients, find talent to do fulfillment, to do all these things that they need. Even generating leads is something that we do inside ClickX because it was because of our own need that we had when we started. Mm-hmm. And so I think that like, it's such an interesting and so important moment for any founder when they're understanding like that it's the systems Right. that are going to get you to the next level, right? It's Absolutely. like, and I think that there's so many folks that get stuck. Like I, I talk to a lot of the founders in, in my community that are sort of, they've white knuckled it to six figures. They've white knuckled it to six figures. They have no systems, no SOPs. This is like average. And it's, and I'm not to say that to sort of say, to talk down. It's completely usually how it has to be because you're doing everything. You don't have a leadership team at that point. You're still really figuring it all out yourself. But it is yeah. so true that at that point where you're looking to get to the next level, like having repeatable systems, shrinking yeah. down what your focus is, like there's so many good lessons there, right? Because I worked for many years in agency <clears throat> as well. And I, I think that what I love about ClickX and like what you're doing is, you know, agencies traditionally are quite clunky. And I think that there is a lot of agencies that I see out there that are, they're super broad. You're trying to kind of like get in whatever you can get in and sometimes disorganized, don't have a lot of really good systems to sort of report back to. I've seen all sorts of things from people, you know, being inside HubSpot, but all the way to just like sharing Google Sheets. It is so interesting of the agencies that I've hired as fractional CMO that still just use Google Sheets. Like as that's as good as it gets. And sometimes I have to say that the the Google Sheets sometimes are even the easier to read, right? But maybe not as as elegant as a system. Um, So I think that there's there's a lot of really interesting things there. Show me, tell me, so as servicing agencies, right? So your, your technology to help agencies scale, right? And, right? and agencies to serve better and all those things. So what are you seeing now in the past, maybe let's say three to five years yep. in terms of like how agencies are working with businesses as things have been shifting and changing? Because I think as, as work gets turn, like as the world opens up, I think that there's a really interesting, um, it, there's really interesting about finding where talent is, how to manage them, all of that stuff. Um, yeah. What are some like things that you're seeing kind of in the agency world for marketing? Absolutely. And, and the reason, as you said, talked about the systems, we see that every single day that these agency owners are one and two people companies with some contractors, they just don't have anything to scale they're actually failing when they're trying to scale. I call it scaling and failing because it's not going to work, right? So everything from 
template proposals to a contract for the client to a sales script, a sales process, non-existent. You, they just take every call like it's just, you know, you and I chatting. That's not a sales call. So teaching them to have the systems and process is kind of like the first thing that, you know, we realized that we needed and we just, that's automatically the first thing that we, we train them, not just have training, but live training, right? So, and what had happened in the last three, five years, I would think that every single day you, you, and if you're a small business, they get 40, 50 calls a month from agency trying to grow their business. Quite sadly, it's, it's kind of like they can call from a third world country because everybody can do SEO from anywhere. So there's no like differentiation between what you do and what they do. So to an untrained eye, every agency website looks the same. They all say the same thing as if chat GPT wrote the word, you know, yeah. the, word, the content, they yeah. all say the same words. There's no proprietary systems. That's something we help agencies do. It's like, you got to have a system. We got to have a framework. Like, what is it that you do differently than anybody else? So, so what happened is that there's been, I don't know how many agencies there are versus niche agencies, non-existent. So what we teach is like specialization versus generalization. So when you now go after a particular client, they know why you're prospecting to them because that's the only kind of customers that you go and sell to. Yeah. Your website is a resource for that industry of people. Mm -hmm. It's like we specialize in agencies. They need to specialize in something or another. And that could be a tech stack, like we're a HubSpot shop, we're a Marketo shop, we're a Pardot shop or a Salesforce shop, whatever that is, it's one way of looking at it. Or we specialize in TikTok ads or organic content or what, whatever that is. And you can serve multiple industries, but that not being there, there is no, like you're just competing on price. And what that does is, you know, it's the lowest person that's going to win. The lowest price person is going to win. And you have little to no margin in this business to begin with because of labor and tech and cost of subscriptions and stuff like that. You're kind of, is a, it, this is a, you know, a recipe for a disaster. So we go the other way around. We teach high ticket, low volume, super specialized services so that you're charging five and 10 grand a month. You'd only take 10 clients to really hit a one and a half million dollar business. More, exactly. And you give them more of you. I think like one experience that's really frustrating for founders or marketing directors or whatever is you know, on one side, it is super convenient to say, oh, you have one agency that can do everything, right? But again, if you're doing everything, you're not doing everything well. 100%. And what, what I see, I think like maybe in the olden days, days, there was this idea of like, you have a marketing agency and that is your marketing team. And I think that that really isn't the case anymore. I think a lot of times people are looking for the specialization because they're going to spend the money they better, you better bet that they, that you're really good at what you do. Right. Yep. And so I think, I think that there's like, for, for my side as for hiring agencies, I love being able to lean on different people for different things. And usually it kind of splits into either one specific specialty, like a TikTok ads or whatever video, or it's either those two sides of the brain, right? Like the creative yeah. side or the more analytical side. Because when you try to get someone that does everything, it's it's not it's it's usually not super effective. Like they're going to be great at one thing and not something else. And then uh, I think there's a yeah. Go ahead, Ian. 
I was going to say, there's only a few agencies that can actually do that. And they're the ones, you know, with 800 employees that can specialize in all of these things. They can have a creative department. They can do video shoots. They can also go do photography for you and do paid media. Um, but for the most part, most agencies are like you and I say, they dabble in everything. They're doing average work at best, and they don't have anything that they can say that they're the best at in the entire world. And yeah. so I want to go down to the path of being the best at whatever it is that I do. And that could be a type of client, a size of company, an industry. And, and if you can nail that, you're going to make way more money than being a generalist with low margins. Yeah. Nobody wants to play that game, especially not when the labor market is where it's at right now, or the customers are pulling back on their budgets. This is like survival of the fittest. So you would have efficiency because you do the same thing over and over. And then you also have expertise on the people that you hired. So that's all they do. Like, for instance, if I had you and my team and you're my fractional CMO and I had eight of you guys and all I did was fractional CMO work and I didn't pick up every paid media and creative business and social media campaigns. I'm like, sorry, that's not what I do. I do performance-based fractional CMO work. And here's what we charge. We charge $20,000 a month or whatever it is. Now I only need so many clients and then I have the best in talent. Here's what happens. So you as my talent would enjoy the work that you do every day because it's the kind of work that requires you to, that you're challenged every day. And also the company succeeds. And also our customers don't have to go hire this kind of talent in a, in a pool that is non-existent, right? There's not a lot of great talent out there because most of them are working. Yeah. You can't go yeah. find people that are not working. They're not going to be that great. So yeah. that's that's what you and I get to. That's that's where I think agencies really need to think about, or yeah. somebody who's thinking about starting an agency, who is a marketing manager today and want to go and you know dabble in like entrepreneurship and side hustle and weekend or whatever you want to invest in. They need to think about what am I really good at? What can I bring to the world that I'm not going to say yes to everything, but it will certainly help me add an extra you know income to my business definitely teach me this is the, the greatest personal development is starting your own business. Like you're going to learn so much so fast about sales and marketing and lead generation. You might as well do that. And then this enables them to actually have something to, you know what I mean? Like, ah, you know, okay. You but let me tell you, it's interesting because two questions. First, I want to talk now to like any service com based company. Yeah. And I would love I would love you to share a little bit about that transition, right? Because I imagine that when you were an agency yourself and you were servicing as an agency, it took like a little bit of courage mm -hmm. to sort of par things down and to say, okay, you know what? I'm not going to be a marketing agency serving anyone out in the blue ocean. I'm going to specialize in selling to agencies with this software that we developed and being able to sort of scale agencies and all that stuff, that, that pivot and that focus, yep. um, was it like a, was it nerve wracking for you? Because those initials saying no to opportunity, I'm sure is not easy. Yeah. So great question. So all I did is I took the, the technology brand that we built and ran. Uh, my brother is still managing the agency. Ah. Um, started. You yeah, had absolutely. your cake and ate it too. Yeah, so so it enabled <laughs> us to it, yeah because we had very long term clients and those clients would not leave because yeah. they love what we do. 
Um, and so this is kind of where a lot of agencies struggles retention. And we've nailed it by actually specializing as opposed to being a generalist. So, so I have the privilege of building the tech. Not only is it useful for our own company that we built and, you know, and still in business, we're actually taking everything that we learned to help the one person agency, two people agency. Um, they can't break 10K a month. They can't break 20K a month or 50K a month. How do we do that? Like you and I just said, it's the systems. Mike Lee Gerber is a friend of mine, the author of E-Myth. If you yeah. read his book, he never talks about what business to do. It just talks about the business is the product. Yeah. Business is the product. It's not the thing that comes out on the other side is the product. McDonald's has built a product, which is what you buy as a franchise. That's the product, right? Yeah. Like you and I buy Chick-fil-A, we think the chicken sandwich is the product. It's not the chicken sandwich. It's actually the systems that makes the chicken sandwich yeah. is yeah. the product. Yeah. So we start to think differently and nobody in the creative business, even if you're analytical and you can run paid media, they don't think like you and I just discussed. They're just thinking that I need to get a bunch of paid media clients and deliver amazing result and hope they stay. Does that make sense? Or, yeah. you know, so I hope I can sell them more or, find me a referral. So we teach them like, hey, there needs to be a five steps to onboarding a client. There's this thing and this thing and that thing. And then here's how you upsell them. Here's how you pick a niche. And, and most people cannot. That, that's the same struggle you just told me. So just to say like, you mean I can't take a business from somebody who doesn't have HubSpot or somebody who doesn't want TikTok? And you're like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's what we want to do is we need to generalize. You got to be something for someone or else you're just being everything for everyone, right? So that is nerve wracking. And that is usually where most of the agencies that struggle that are in our, our partnership is the, is the saying no part or even thinking about niching down, like scares them to death. But in if you look at the other side, they get the piece that they want. They can hire other people because the company does the same thing every single day, like Disney World. It is, doesn't change every day. So, you know, you're doing the same exact thing. And so now you can start writing down your processes and systems, hire a person, hire you as the CMO and say, hey, this is what we're trying to scale. Here's our, our media buys. We spend 10 grand a month and this is what we're getting. But if I was selling 10 services to 10 different industries and I had 10 grand to spend, I'm spending a thousand each. I'm not going to get anywhere. No one's going to know me at the end of the month. But if I spend 10 grand selling to attorneys and then I'm able to scale up to 15 grand selling to attorneys, in ad, over time, attorneys are going to know that these guys are the best in attorney marketing or whatever it is. And I think it's I think it's so smart because I will talk now to you know as fractional CMO, I hire teams whenever I start a new project. I, I hire individual teams, so I'm hiring tons of individual contributors, right? <clears throat> and I'm talking now to the individual contributors, you know, those contractors or freelancers that have been doing the for some years. Now, obviously when you first start out, there's an element of like, sure, like you can manage social and you can like do TikTok ads and you can do, you kind of taste everything, right? But you yeah. realize very quickly, just as you're saying, it's not scalable. It's not very, it's not super fruitful and you're not going to be great at all of it. Right. There comes a point where you have to make a choice. You're going to have to say no, because it is quite frustrating. I talked to so many marketing managers that I hire that They'll give me a proposal for literally everything. And I don't know who's, like, who are they working with? Are they planning on hiring other people, whatever. It's not clear on a website, everything's super vague. And 
when I hire these people, what I see very quickly is that like, I can see what their strengths and weaknesses are. And usually I will get them off of what their weaknesses are. And I will just have them do the good, the thing that they're good at. But I have that luxury of working with teams and all those things. And so I would say like anyone who's a marketing manager, who's in that, in that world, if you've given a proposal to anyone in the last 90 days that are doing things that are outside your zone of genius, like take a long, hard look in the mirror and just say what it is that you're good at and just focus on that. And using like resources that you have, like following that formula is exactly it. It's like, okay, let's get our sales and onboarding process tied up. Yeah. Fine. But then it's like the sweet spot comes in. How do you get your systems and delivery processes? I think that's where a lot of people fall off the wagon because when you're working face-to-face with clients, this is a question to ask. Sure. How do you keep I mean, I I can hear people asking this all the time because I know working in agency or whatever, how do you advise people to stay within the goalposts of that scope of work to be able to work in this fashion? Because a lot of times, once you're hired by the client, the client's going to ask for everything. So it's kind of goes against what we're talking about now. It makes it really challenging. Right. Um, And I use this analogy that if you go to Domino's Pizza, they don't sell you hamburgers and you don't go to McDonald's and buy, you know, tacos. Yeah. Yeah. you got to learn that you built a system and the system's only capable of doing this. Of course, you can now be a generalist and go hire out a creative person and hire out, you know, this thing and the other. What you're doing is short term, you're making money. Long term, you're becoming unscalable unless you plan on playing all of those things at the same time, like a very big conglomerate, right? So most people don't have that. They just want that short term income to get them to the next quarter or whatever, it's primarily because they don't have a lot of leads coming in. So they just have to take whatever comes in. So what we teach is a different model, which is demand generation for your own business. Mm -hmm. You got to go out there and talk about the thing that you do best so that you can generate the same kind of leads that will fill your pipeline to then do the systematic approach delivery. And if you start going into all these different niches, what you're going to run into is that delivery is different a contractor only knows one industry. So now you got to find another person. It just, you keep running into to brick walls, right? Like, and you get frustrated, you got burned out, you need a vacation, but you can't go because all these people are calling you. It's like, it's again, a, a, a recipe for disaster. So what can you and I do? We got to teach demand generation for the person that is niching down or trying to do this thing so that they can build enough content and enough ads on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube ads, whatever, so that they have new leads coming in every single day. It's like taking over your own pipeline. You got to really manage your pipeline so that you only take on the clients that are the best fit to what you do best. And then you don't have to worry about the back office because you've already figured it out, right? You already know what you do best. You've already mapped it out. You've hired the right people. And, and like this operation that, that I'm, I'm doing here and, and with my content team, because I have the best content team, it only takes us about three minutes to set up. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Exactly. Right? Like, it's, it is, so it's like this, that and audio camera, like done. We're live on Facebook or TikTok or anything. That's what you want your back office to be. They cannot be like, huh? Where do we turn on the light again? What's the password? Like if you do that in your real operation, you're going to fail. You can't have that kind of a system. You need experts that can show up and execute 
go home, enjoy their family and life, right? Like work-life balance and show up tomorrow to crush it for you again. Exactly. Uh, and you know, you sit down and you know, I think, I mean, I think it's so smart. Now, obviously you're servicing agencies, but I mean, this is just good juice for any business. It's like 100%. being able to rinse and repeat your processes and, and have sort of that stable cut, like customer, like that product delivery or that service delivery. All it does is it, it makes your, my, you, your creativity can crack open. You can get better out of yourself and the rest of the people around you. Yep. It is so, and then so like, I, I definitely want to go back to that example of the marketing manager that is yep. trying to do a million things. And in fact, it's so funny because I mentor quite a few, um, you know, people and teams I've worked with that are always asking, you know, they see the, they see things are changing. Like if you're a copywriter right now, yeah, let's be trying to understand what your next move is, right? Of, of how are you going to add value? I actually have a call tomorrow with one of the copywriters I work in. She's going to pick my brain. Um, mm -hmm. but I, I say to all of you guys out there, like, look, look up, click X, like see, see the content that you're putting out about how you can niche down, you know, get a repeatable system into your services. Um, because that's the only way that you're going to do work and continue to do work for many years to come and be able to scale what you're doing. Um, Absolutely. and I think in all businesses, there is that danger of that short-sightedness. You know, mm -hmm. I think we all fall victim to it, but we have to remain in that 10,000 foot view of what is it we're building to grow because it's fun when you first start freelancing, right? Or you first start consulting and you get those first couple contracts and it feels nice, but very quickly you see like, oh, wow, you know, X amount of dollars a month is great, but I'm not going to be able to do more than that unless something is different, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. it's just the more, more balls that you have in the air, the chances of you you know, losing one, dropping one is, is super high. And I also don't want to look bad in front of my clients. So like we always build again, the fulfillment and the system first, and then we work our way to the front so that in the, it's not a question of later on, what is it that we can do in the back end? We've already nailed that down. What I can do, what I recommend is if you plan on doing other services, but you didn't want to be the master or the best in the world, you team up with other people, which is what we advise. I team up with you because I don't want to do that fractional CMO work. And I say, hey, every time I want to, you know, get a, a fractional CMO, here's who I work with. And I do a warm intro. Yeah. And this way you get your business. I stay in my lane. My employees aren't confused about me adding a new service because what you do, you're the best in the world. I can tell you that right now. If I watch six of your videos, I'm sold. Literally, like you speak to the pains of, folks that I work with every day, right? So so all I'm saying is that that's what you need to do. If you really want to be a video shop, but you don't plan on buying all this equipment and hiring a bunch of people, you need to team up with a studio that's in your town or city or whatever and say, hey, for all of our YouTube video ads, we work with these people, but we just run and manage the ads. Yeah. We're, we're AdWords specialists, right? Like we're a Google Ads specialist. This enables you to offer these services without actually lugging all this overhead and, and, and also learning new languages. Every business has it's like its own language. You got to learn very, that language. Such a good point. Such a good point. Like if you're working in many different verticals, absolutely. Um, I definitely want to also point out, because I think you make a very good, a very good comment there, is that like just because you're staying in one lane doesn't mean that you actually have to be able to execute on all of those things perfectly while you're Correct. stuck. Correct. But it's that process of, 
really getting intentional with the people you bring in yeah. and just staying in the lane of who you're serving. Because I have definitely in my career made lots of mistakes of trying to put the wrong person mm-hmm. on the project because they, they're really good at doing that for e-commerce, for example, but not necessarily for lawyers, right? Because mm-hmm. it may be a different skill set. It's different languages, all of that stuff. So that's another argument for kind of staying niched. So, okay, so and this is so cool. This is so interesting. And I think there's a lot of really great marketing uh, managers and stuff that are listening to this now. So where could they kind of find out a little bit more about you or any resources you can share with anyone that's sort of maybe, you know, maybe people working on my teams, because I know y'all listen to my podcast um, or other marketing managers that are saying like, hey, it's been cool for the past couple of years being a freelance whatever, but I'm ready to make more money and kind of turn this into a real business. Absolutely. So great point there. I'll, I'll kind of sum it up with, with two things. There's probably been never been a better time. And I started this in 06. I thought that was the best time. Look, this is the, the best time. Even with all the AI things that are there, I think it's only going to get more and more interesting because we just have to learn to be really efficient. And as I said, you need to really know what you're good at. It's not the time to just dabble in 50 different things and trying to f- make it work. It's to really double down and make a bunch of money. It's to, to sell less, but a higher ticket so that you have the, the lifestyle that you're looking for. To kind of summarize the point that you said before, how I started to scale a ClickX business was first by doing the work for agencies because that was directly what I was doing for clients. Mm-hmm. So all I did is I took my services and then I just leveraged uh, other agencies that were struggling to use my resources to get their job done. So we call that white label uh, mm-hmm. digital marketing. So yeah. like if you're starting an, an agency or a marketing manager, you're wondering how can I get the work done because I still have a full-time job or I have this, it's actually to leverage a white label digital marketing professional to do the work for you while you're selling it. And you're, you're it's your client, it's your that's servicing. Interfaces, you get to do the fun stuff. Exactly. And that's what you should be doing is the fun stuff because that's the stuff that actually isn't scalable because it's the stuff like strategy. What should we do? Um, you know, what's our value prop? We're what's networking our- and getting, building yeah. community, all that stuff. Yeah. Managing paid media campaign. It can be done, you know, by different people that have been doing it for 20 years and they can do it better. And they, they have 50 accounts and they're just looking at it 24 hours a day, like the stock market, they're going to do way better. Right. So, so that's a, another element of it. And lastly, if they want to find me, uh, it's clickx.io. Uh, and, and, you know, you'll, you'll find me and our company and our, our team that's working really hard. We've kind of morphed from us with a SaaS element. There's a lot of technology we do. Uh, there is a lot of training because again, some of these are soft skills like selling and how to pitch a client and how to ask questions, how to close a deal. Those aren't skills that you develop as a marketing manager or a marketing person. Now that you're an entrepreneur, learning that is like really critical. And also there's a lot of other resources that we give to to make that path to 10K, 50K. Or if you're 50 trying to get to 100 and it's not the same thing that you've done to get to that. Exactly. Or what some of our agency partners do is they launch a brand new agency for a particular niche so they don't mess with whatever their client base is and change everything up. They're like, that's what a lot of our agencies do. They just launch a new one, start it up and start selling into this new brand. But it's a very specialized business rather than be whatever that got them there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very cool. That's super cool. And also follow Solomon on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, if you're bored. Is that is that where you spend most of your time? Um, you know, our team's 
our team is really pushing me on putting out more content than I've ever had in the past. And, uh, you know, I think you, like you and I, if you've been in this marketing thing for 17 years, which I don't like to count after 15, I just stopped counting. I'm like, I have 15 plus years. Uh, I feel like you, you know, so much more than you, you, you think, right? Like there's a lot of people are struggling with SEO. They're struggling with paid. They're struggling with conversion optimization. They're struggling to scale. I'm like, let me just give, you know, it's kind of the impact thing that I'm also very, you know what I mean? Very passionate about. How do I help as many people that I can't help personally or a company can't help because whatever, there could be in another country. How do we put out more content so those people can also get to 10K, 50K, 100K in their own countries? Like, you know, go start a marketing business. This is a worldwide phenomenon, right? Google's everywhere. Um, TikTok's everywhere. So like, how do we do that? And so that's why I put out a lot of content just so that we can breathe a fresh air into, you know, again, you and I, I think have such unique background and experiences. So if we didn't share that, I think it would be a disservice. I know, I know. And I think it's funny because you kind of go through life thinking, you know, these things are kind of like second nature to us, um, but it's not necessarily <laughs> to founders or, no. or to, you know, to people that are trying, just getting started. Um, and the last thing I'll say is that, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of noise out there um, in general, I think that there's a lot of people giving like marketing tips and sales tips that haven't actually like worked in industries and seen results. So I think like why I love what you're putting out because you're obviously like super experienced and you've had multiple businesses and worked with a lot of inside of a lot of businesses. And I think that that experience that we both have is so valuable because you get to see, you get to see those frameworks and those systems that run across different verticals, right? Obviously you need to niche down. You need to speak the language of, of whatever vertical that you're in and be able to have that common language, but the systems and the frameworks are there, right? And I think that there's a lot of people that teach um, anecdotal stuff, but yeah. the systems, the framework and the strategy are the things that actually make the difference, right? Just implementing things consistently and over time getting better and better at what you do is really what makes the results. It's not like a, it's not Absolutely. like a, you know. I, I joke around with this and no offense to anybody who's watching this, but if you, you know, you hear like somebody who's just learned Canva, now they're a digital marketer. So you're just like, Hey, they're a digital marketer. <laughs> I'm a digital marketer. Like at this Fair moment, point. it's a, it's a very blurry line. Who's digital marketer and you know, who's been there, done that. <laughs> But again, I like that because again, Canva is one of those innovative products that if you know how to use Canva, you're technically a digital marketer, right? So let me tell you, I've gotten into, you know, from agency world, I've gotten into trouble in my past of hiring people that I thought yeah. did X, Y, and Z, but they didn't because, you know, just because you're a Canva doesn't mean you do Canva doesn't mean you're a graphic designer. There's different skills and these are exactly. part of the game you play, right? Getting into all really? this, where you learn, you live and you learn. So absolutely. Anyway, it thank was, you so um, much. This was great. We'll link all the links in the show notes uh, where people can find you. And yes. uh, that's really cool. I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you. Thank you so much, Victoria. Have a good one. You did it. You made it to the end of the episode. Thanks for sticking around with me and listening all the way to the end. I really appreciate you as an audience member and i hope that you found this helpful if you did like this episode it would mean so so much to me if you subscribed if you rate and review this podcast it helps other people know that this podcast has something worth saying it also would be super awesome if you could take a screenshot and share 
on Instagram and tag me at Ugly Ventures, U-G-L-I Ventures, V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S. I am always so appreciative to hear from you, and I hope to see you back here next week on the Marketing for Startups podcast.